All right, we have been asking and answering some basic questions uh, the last four weeks. This is week number five. This will be our last week uh, doing this. Uh, we've talked about what is a pastor, uh, what is the Bible, what is a church, what is a church member, and today we're going to talk about what is our mission. And these matter uh, because it determines where we go, it determines what we do, it determines who we become as a church, how we answer these questions. And so today we're asking the question of, of what is our mission? What is our mission? What are we doing here? What is the point of all of this? What's the point of all these buildings and resources and people and programs and, and announcements and pews? And what is the point? What is the mission? What are we about? And we don't have to go very far to find this answer. Jesus made it very clear when he left the earth. This is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so the mission that we've been given by God, this is given to his disciples and we are his disciples. Our mission is to make new disciples and it's to make mature disciples who will go and do the same. We are to make new disciples and we're to make mature disciples who will go and do the same. Uh, in the original language, it's very clear in these verses that the main verb is make disciples. It's not go. It's not baptize. It, it's not teach. Those are important. And we're going to talk about each one of those. But our mission, the command, the clear instruction. This is me to my five-year-old son every night. Go brush your teeth, right? The clear instruction is not go, it's brush, brush, right? The clear instruction in this passage is make disciples. It's kind of like as you go or as you are going, make the disciples. And he says there's two main ways that we make disciples. He clarifies what that means. He says baptizing and teaching. We're to baptize and we're to teach. And the way I've said this is that we're to make new disciples. That's what baptizing represents. And we're to make mature disciples. That's what teaching represents. So why does this matter? Why is it important that we as a church understand clearly, talk about clearly what is our mission? Well, the reasons are many. Um, we're going to talk about a couple. One, we're tempted to make something else our, our mission. We're tempted to grab onto something else and make it our mission, or we're tempted to emphasize one of these or the other, baptizing or teaching. So let's talk about how do we as, or maybe us as a church or other churches, how do we grab onto something else and make it our mission? I text some of you this week and got some responses and some, and brainstormed some, but churches do this all the time. They grab hold of something and they make, this is our mission. This is what we are about. This happens today and this has happened in church history. Here's some of the examples that I brainstormed with some of you this week. Sometimes it's just large crowds, as, as many people in a room as possible. That's the mission. Some it's buildings and nice facilities that we're just, we're trying to make as, as 
impressive a facility as possible. For some, it's creative programs, you know, real creativity and, and pushing the boundaries and all this sort of stuff. For some churches, it's just social justice causes or causes in general, right? For some, it's, it's just about friendship. It's just a community organization. We just get together and we laugh and we enjoy each other and we eat cake and then we go, right? For some, it's political, that this is about a Republican organization or a Democratic organization or some cause within those political parties, that that's the mission of the church. For some, it's music and production and doing things really well on a stage. That's the mission. For some, it's social events. For some, it's influence and celebrity, popularity. That's the mission, to get as big and as viral as possible. For some, it's philanthropy or community service or something else. There's all kinds of things. Now, here's the deal. Some of these are not bad. Many of these are good things. And many of these things flow out of a real right understanding of what our mission is. But these are not the main thing. That's not what Jesus told us to do. I told Hudson, go and brush your teeth. And he goes and he plays and he grabs stuff and he messes with his sister and Right? Anybody with a five-year-old in the room understands. We get distracted. Note the main thing that I want you to be about, son, right now is brushing your teeth. The main thing Jesus wants us to be about right now on this earth is making disciples. That's it. It's what he tells us to do. And so we got to be careful we don't make one of these the mission. Because what Jesus told us to be about was to making new disciples and to make mature disciples. Now here's the deal. Another temptation we face as a church is to emphasize one of these over the other. Either the baptizing side or the teaching side. And so some churches, uh, and listen, we may be prone to this. Depends on the leader. Depends on uh, the, the makeup of the body, right? But for some, the emphasis is all on baptism. Baptisms. Now, hear me out before, <laughs> before you throw rocks Hear me out. For some, these kinds of churches, it's only a focus on baptisms, not on teaching. Heavy focus on evangelism. It's all about growth in numbers of, of hands raised and people in the altars and, and lives changed. It's all about um, those that are outside the church. It, there's no emphasis on growing or any of that, right? This is not a bad thing, right? We should be about this but not at the expense of the other side, right? Sometimes in this kind of church, it's just about make, having people make a decision and then they're just left, okay, what do I do until I get to heaven? Do I just sit in this pew? Is that, is that what you want me to do? Okay, all right. This is my pew. Put a plaque here. Let me sit down, right? That's not good. That's not what Jesus says. He says baptizing and teaching, we're to make new disciples, yeah, we want to see reproduction. We want to have a sense of urgency to reach the lost. We want to be outward focused on those that aren't a part of our body, right? But it's both. Now, some other churches, the focus is all on teaching and not on baptizing. And in these churches, it's a heavy focus on discipleship, on knowing the Bible, on depth, not width, but depth, on sound doctrine, it's about pe seeing people grow in their understanding, grow in their Christian character. Most of the ministry is directed to the people inside the church, and there's not really a sense of urgency. 
Now hear me out before you throw rocks. These are not bad things either, right? These are good things. We should focus on growing people up, maturing people, having sound doctrine, knowing God more, right? We should focus on that. But not at the expense of not reaching the outsider, not at the expense of not seeing people saved, not at the expense of becoming a a club where it's just us and we don't care who's out there. No, that's an incomplete mission. Jesus told us to make disciples by baptizing and teaching. This is not either or. We don't get to choose, hey, we're just going to focus on baptisms or we're just going to focus on discipleship. No, it's both. That's the whole mission. It's both. We're to make new disciples by evangelizing, by reaching the outside, and we're to make mature disciples. I want, to see, I want you to see a, a picture. I scribbled this down on a post-it note this week and then turned it into something fancier for you. Uh, but I want you to see a picture of what this looks like. Uh, I want you to imagine for a second, this would be better if Cody was preaching this because he's really a coach. But I want you to imagine that I'm your coach and we're about to have a, a football game, volleyball match, whatever your sport of choice is. Or if you're more of the military type, imagine I'm your general, right? And I'm sitting down, we're laying out the plan. Here's the strategy. I pull up a chalkboard and I'm sketching it out. Here's our mission. Here's our game plan. And so here's Here's what I think scripture teaches, and then we'll go and look at scripture to show this, but I want you to see the picture first, okay? So number one, we are called to make disciples. And what that means is we've got to move people from not being a disciple to being a new disciple, all right? That's, that's part of the mission. How do we do that? How do we move people from not being a disciple to being a new disciple? Well, scripture tells us That in order to be saved, we must hear the gospel of Jesus. We must believe in it, and we must repent of our sins. We turn from our old ways, and we turn to Christ. We believe, we hear, and we believe the gospel. This is the only path from not a disciple to a new disciple. There is no other. There is no other strategy. There is no other master plan. The only way is to hear the gospel and to believe. So... That means we've got to engage in telling people the gospel. We call that evangelism, right? Now, when we make new disciples, this is not the end point. This is not the whole mission. This is incomplete. But when we make new disciples, new disciples stand up in front of the church and they're baptized. They're proclaiming their loyalty to Christ above all else, right? They join the church. They're a part of us. There's fellowship and there's community and all that sort of stuff. But this is not the mission, If we've just done this part, we have fallen short of the mission. We have failed, right? That's not what Jesus told us to do. When we make new disciples, we're not just trying to fill up the pews with sitters. No, there's there's something more. And new disciples are called by Jesus to grow. We call this discipleship. This is the process of growth and maturing. It's it's. This is the next step. If you're a new disciple who's just been baptized, just joined the church, or just, just coming around to this Jesus thing, you're to become a maturing disciple. You're to, to participate in discipleship. You're not meant to just stay a baby, immature Christian. No, you're meant to grow up. You're meant to mature, right? So discipleship happens through God's word. That's how we grow as disciples. We're taught it. We're trained in it. We're equipped in it. We grow 
But this is not the end point either. The, the goal of, for our church is not, let's get a bunch of people saved and let's get them in a bunch of life groups, a bunch of Bible studies, and we'll just, we'll just get together all week and we'll just, just grow. We'll just, our heads will just become massive, right? Just full of knowledge. That's really not the goal. This is an incomplete mission if this is it. No, the goal for us, the mission, is to be a multiplying disciple. To being a multiplying disciple. So our mission is actually what's in yellow on the screen now. Oh, that was cool. It's the going out. The rest of it is the process of how someone comes into the faith and grows up. But our mission as maturing disciples or multiplying disciples is to go. And we go to two different places, just like Jesus told us. We go walk alongside those who are not yet disciples. And we help them understand the gospel. And we go to new disciples young, immature, whatever, just new. And we help them walk in discipleship, teaching them God's word. This may be your kids. This may be kids on Wednesday night. This may be kids on Sunday morning. But we go to two directions. This is our mission. This is what we are to be about. We're not meant to just stay as a new disciple. We're not meant to just stay as a maturing disciple who's being fed and taught. No, we're meant to multiply. We're meant to multiply. Now, some of you are visual learners, and you go, that makes a lot of sense. For some of you, that is way too many arrows, and I get that. So let's look at the Bible and see how Jesus says this. First, I want us to talk about three ways that we go about this. There's evangelism, there's discipleship, and there's multiplication. So let's look at Romans chapter 10 first and talk about what evangelism is. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. It says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or proclaiming? And how are they to preach or proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. See, the simple truth from this, and we won't dissect all of this in all the detail, but the simple truth is that in order to move from not a disciple to a disciple, he says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The only way someone moves from not a believer to a believer is to hear the gospel, the good news. And what is that? That we are sinners apart from God, that we, we rejected God and his good design and we chose our own way. And we do it, every one of us. And Bible says that because of that sin, because of our rejection of God 
as the creator of the universe who spoke us into existence, that our punishment is separation from him. Why? Well, one, that's what we wanted. We wanted to go our own way. We did not want relationship with him. But God loved us so much, right, that he sent Jesus to, to, to bridge that gap, to bring us back into relationship. See, someone has to hear this. Someone has to believe this in order to become a disciple. It's not, it's not coming and sitting in a pew. It's not showing up to some Bible study. It's not serving in the food pantry, as good as all those things are. What makes you a disciple is hearing the gospel and believing in it that leads to salvation. There is no other way. And so for us, in order to see people move from being not a disciple, we have to share it, right? He says, how are they going to believe unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless someone tells them? This is the simple, obvious elephant in the room that we all ignore sometimes. We have to tell others if we're going to see people baptized, they're going to have to hear the good news and they're going to have to put their faith in Jesus. If we're going to add people, if we're going to see people saved, we're going to see lost people found, it's, it's going to happen through this. This is God's plan. Think about this. As massive as God is, as, as powerful as he is, he could have done it any way he wanted to, but God says that this is how salvation happens, is by hearing the gospel. He puts it on us. He is going to accomplish his plan through us. God could have snapped his fingers, I guess, like the, what is that movie, you know? And he could have made all this stuff happen, right? He could have just, whatever. But that's not his plan. No, the mission is he gave the message to us, and we are to proclaim it to others so that they will become disciples. Not everyone's going to hear it, and respond to it. That's what he says. But faith comes through hearing. And many will hear. And many will respond in faith. And many will put their faith in Christ. And so what we're after here is we're not just trying to make bad people a little bit better. We're not just trying to make bad marriages into good marriages. Or bad employees into good employees. No, we're after something so much more. We're not just trying to get people to occupy these pews or to, to give or whatever. No, no, no. What we're after is something way bigger and way more important. We're after miracles, miracles of faith. We're after seeing dead people come to life. We're after seeing lost people be found. That's our mission, and that feels daunting, right? It's easy to accomplish a big crowd today. It's easy to go viral. It's easy to do all sorts of those other missions. And maybe that's why we're tempted to take them on. What we're supposed to be about is proclaiming the gospel, the good news, that you don't have to die separated from God. You can experience eternal life. You can be forgiven, and it's found in Jesus. Part of evangelism is what the Bible calls the ministry of reconciliation. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. These verses were huge in my life. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of that news in verse 21, that God made Jesus to be sin on our behalf, we can now be right with God. Because of that good news, we have been reconciled with God. That means that we once were estranged, we once were separated, we once were enemies. But God, through Jesus, made us friends. He made us united. And what he does when he reconciles us, this passage says is that he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. We are called to go and help reconcile others, to fix their relationship with God, to go proclaim to them how they can be saved, how they can be brought out of the darkness and brought out of their sin. Right? We are ambassadors for Christ. That we represent Jesus in this world. That's why we're called Christians. We represent Christ. And we're proclaiming his message. Again, he says that God is making his appeal through us. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm like, God, really? Is that, is that really the best approach here? You're leaving this to us? Like, that doesn't, I don't know. But that's what it says. That God's making his appeal through us. That he's made us ambassadors. That he's given us this ministry. He could have picked a lot better, gifted, more put-together people to do this. But he says that he gave it to us. The ones who have been reconciled are the ones who go and reconcile others. We are called to evangelize. We have to go. We have to go to those who don't know Jesus. We have to tell them the good news that we have found. And we have to implore them, be reconciled to God. So that's evangelism. Let's talk about discipleship. Making mature disciples. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And at this point, we should have memorized these verses. I think I've preached them every week for the last six what, this verse, what these verses teach is that God has given the, the church leaders to equip them to do the work of ministry. And what is that ministry? We just talked about it. Building up the body. Reaching others for Christ. But it also is about maturity. Because he says, until we all attain the unity of the faith to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we're no longer children. See, like being saved is great. We want everyone to, but we don't want you to stay there. You're not meant to just, like, 
Mamas don't just give birth to babies and they just leave them there. No, they take care of them and they, they raise them up and they teach them and they grow them, right? It's the same with us in Christ that we are meant to grow up. We are meant to mature. We're not meant to stay uh, babies. It's cute when kids do kid things, right? I've got three of them and they do some cute things. It's not cute if I do the things that my kids do, right? It's funny I can't even give examples because it's inappropriate. But it's not, right? I'm not meant to be five-year-old, right? I'm not meant to be immature. I'm meant to grow up. I'm meant to mature in the faith. And this maturing happens through what he says here, the knowledge of the Son of God. Right? It happens through discipleship. We, we have to grow up. We have to be taught. We have to learn so that we're not swayed and, and, and moved all over the place by all kinds of doctrine and the waves of this world and all sorts of things. No, we're not meant to be little children. We're meant to grow up into strong men and women of the faith. That's part of discipleship. And part of it is being transformed. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're just popping right in and we're popping right out without a lot of context, but here's what he says. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He says that we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image. And so what, what Paul is describing here to this, this church in Corinth is that we all, all of us Christians, every single one of us, we, we have unveiled face. That, it's like the picture of, we don't do this anymore at weddings, but the bride has the veil and then she lifts it up as if she couldn't see before. But, you know, she's got the veil and, oh, now we can see her beauty and all that sort of stuff, Right? A veil is something that hides our sight. But he says we have an unveiled face, meaning we can see Christ clearly now. And he says, and we all beholding his glory. That means that as we look to Christ more and more, what happens is we are transformed into that image. We, as we look to Christ more and more, we become more like Christ. We're meant to. We shouldn't reach... Uh, <laughs> We shouldn't reach this point in life or older and still be acting like a child. No, 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 no. We are meant to look more and more like Christ the older we get, the longer we walk with him. The point is growth. We are meant to grow up. We are meant to be discipled. This is a process. It takes time. That's why he says it's from one degree of glory to another. But we are meant to grow in discipleship. And we are meant to multiply. We are meant to multiply. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1. I'm sorry, chapter 2. Paul says this to the young Timothy. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul tells him, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's telling him to, to, to grow strong, to, to 
grow in your knowledge of God, to grow up into maturity. But once you reach that point, there's a point. Verse 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's supposed to multiply. I don't know if you see it, but you got Paul, you got Timothy, who he's, he's discipled and invested in. And he tells him to invest in others who will be able to invest in others. There's four layers here. This is about multiplication, not simple addition. That we are meant to multiply. We're meant to help others grow in their faith. We're meant to entrust others, not just so that they'll come be a part of our Bible study. That's great. We're meant to entrust it to others who will go and do the same. Who will also go and share this message. And lastly, this multiplication goal is not just for some of us. It's not just for pastors. It's for everyone. Look at Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 28. It says, Him we proclaim. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. It's important when you read Scripture to look at repeated words. And there's a word that's repeated three times in this one little passage. What is it? Everyone. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We are all meant to be multiplying disciples. Everyone. The goal is maturity, and maturity means multiplication. Multiplying disciples go and they walk alongside those who are not yet disciples and they help them understand the faith. And multiplying disciples go to those who are immature or young in the faith and they help them grow up. They help them mature. They invest their lives in them. They invest God's word in them. This is what we're after. We are called to make new disciples and we're called to make mature disciples who will go and do the same Now, I think for us to finish today, we have to do a little evaluation. I I drew the picture, so maybe this will help as we evaluate. First, we got to think about the question, where am I at? Where am I at? You're not answering this for me. You're answering this for you. Where am I at in this? Some of you may not yet be a disciple. You may not yet be a disciple, right? We, We want everyone to become a disciple, God's love is for everyone. His grace is for everyone. And so if you don't know Jesus, if you've never taken a step of faith, if you don't put your faith in him, man, here's the truth. If you die separated from Christ, you will spend eternity in hell, which is a place that is fully godless in in the most extreme possible sense. There is no hint or breath of God. That is the truth. But we proclaim a message of grace, too, that that you don't have to do that. Your life is headed there if you don't repent and turn to Christ. Jesus died. He paid the price. He's purchased it already. He's offering it to you, and you can become a disciple of Christ. It takes putting your faith in him. It takes leaving the old life behind and becoming something new, but that, that message is true. So that may be where you're at today. You're not yet a disciple. And if you want to talk about salvation, please come talk to me. Find someone else in here. There's plenty of capable people that can do that. Now, the truth is probably most of us are not there. 
Some of us are new disciples. And if this is where you are, then here's some of your steps, right? Because we're meant to move forward, not just meant to stay there in that state. Some of you may need to be baptized. You may need to publicly proclaim that I am a Christ follower, that Jesus is the Lord of my life. For some of you, you need to join the church. You need to hold yourself accountable to this body. Some of you, you need to join a group, whether that's a group we have or just a group of friends, that, whatever. You need to join a group so you can grow in your knowledge of the scriptures and your love for God and your accountability. And you've got to mature. We want to see you grow. We want to see you grow up. And that takes investing in uh, God's word and in a small group. For some of you, you may be past the new disciple stage. You're a maturing disciple, meaning that you're being invested into, you're growing, you're learning. But the truth is today, I want you and we want you as a church and we need you to be a multiplying disciple. It's great you're in a life group. It's great you're in a D group. It's great you serve. It's, all those things are wonderful. We want to invest in you and fill you up. But the point is so that you would go that you would go to those who are not yet disciples. You would go to those who are, who are young in their faith and help them grow. Right? We're not meant to just stay there as, as always receiving and always taking. No, we have to step out and go to others. That is the mission, to become a multiplying disciple, not just to stay as a maturing disciple. And lastly, you may be a multiplying disciple. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Right? Keep doing it. Keep walking with others. Go to the lost. Go to the immature and help them to grow up. Don't give up. This isn't an end point, right? You don't get here and be done. No, you keep doing it. I think it's important for us to ask the question where am I at? Where am I at in this? It's also important for us to ask where am I going? Are you stuck? Have you been in one spot for a long time? Is there forward movement? See, we're not meant to be like a pond. We're meant to be like a river, that there's flow and there's movement forward, right? Rivers bring life, and rivers are clean because there's movement, right? Ponds become stagnant and gross and dirty, right? They don't lead to flourishing and life. The same is true in our Christian life. We've got to keep moving forward, growing in discipleship, growing in our evangelism, growing in discipling others. Staying put is not where God wants you. He wants you to move forward. And then the last question for us to ask is just who? Who? See, this really just all comes down to relationships. It has very little to do with a building. It has very little to do with programs. And, and we do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, why? We do it for relationships with one another, with the lost, with our community, with those who need help. The point is who? And so you've got to think, who's around me? Who's already in my circle? Who's already a friend? Who's already someone that's in my path? Maybe they don't know Christ, and maybe I need to intentionally engage them with the truth. Maybe they do know Christ, and they just need some help. Maybe you, you grab them and say, hey, come on, let's go to this thing together. Hey, let's read this book together. Hey, let's talk about this. This all comes down to relationships, every single bit of this. And the question is, who? And really the question for all of us is, will we be obedient to this? It's what God has told us to do. It's our mission. It's not something else. This is it. 
evangelize, disciple, all to the glory of God. Let me pray. God, I thank you for the truth of that song that we sang this morning, that you, you didn't want heaven without us, and so you sent Jesus. You brought it here so that we could experience that. God, we thank you that you did not stay stuck. You didn't stay where you're at. No, but you moved, and you moved forward, and you came to us, and you found us, and you rescued us. God, I pray that we would do the same for others, that we would go and make disciples. We would go and walk alongside those who don't know you yet. And we would go to those who are young or immature in the faith and help them grow so that they can go and do the same. God, we love you. We thank you for the gospel, the good news, that we don't deserve this mission. We don't deserve this grace, God, but you offer it freely. And so I pray that, God, that we would be doers of your word. We would not just be hearers, God, but that we would go and do this this week. We would see many saved. We would see many matured. God, we pray that you'd give us the courage to be obedient uh, to your word. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.